0: Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Worship at Home from Eastwood Parish Church. My name is Jim Teasdale. I'm the minister at Eastwood in the south side of Glasgow and welcome to this Good Friday Reflection. We begin today by reading from the Gospel of John. John chapter 18 verse 1 all the way through to John chapter 19 verse 42 and we're reading from the Good News Bible. The arrest of Jesus. After Jesus had said this prayer, he left with his disciples and went across Kidron Brook. There was a garden in that place, and Jesus and his disciples went in. Judas the traitor knew where it was, because many times Jesus had met there with his disciples. So Judas went to the garden, taking with him a group of Roman soldiers and some temple guards sent by the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were armed and carried lanterns and torches. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. So he stepped forward and asked them, Who is it that you're looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, he said. Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they moved back and fell to the ground. Again, Jesus asked them, Who is it you are looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I have already told you that I am he, Jesus said. If then you are looking for me, let those others go. He said this so that what he said might come true. Father, I have not lost even one of those you gave me. Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. The name of the slave was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its place. Do you think that I will not drink the cup of suffering which my father has given me? Jesus before Annas. Then the Roman soldiers with their commanding officer and the Jewish guards arrested Jesus, tied him up and took him first to Annas. He was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jewish authorities that it was better that one man should die for all the people. Peter denies Jesus. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. That other disciple was well known to the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest's house, while Peter stayed outside by the gate. Then the other disciple went back out, spoke to the girl at the gate and brought Peter inside. The girl at the gate said to Peter, Aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? No, I am not, answered Peter. It was cold, so the servants and guards had built a charcoal fire and were standing around it warming themselves. So Peter went over and stood with them warming himself. The high priest questions Jesus. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered, I have always spoken publicly to everyone. All my teaching was done in the synagogues and in the temple where all the people come together. I have never said anything in secret. Why then do you question me? Question the people who heard me. Ask them what I told them. They know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the guards there slapped him and said, How dare you talk like that to the high priest? Jesus answered him, If I have said anything wrong, tell everyone hear what it was. But if I am right in what I have said, why did you hit me? Then Anna sent him still tied up to Caiaphas the high priest. Peter denies Jesus again. Peter was still standing there keeping himself warm. So the others said to him, aren't you also one of the disciples of that man? But Peter denied it. No, I am not, he said. One of the high priest's slaves, a relative of the man, whose ear Peter had cut off, spoke up. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? he asked. Again Peter said, no and at once a rooster crowed. Jesus before Pilate Early in the morning, Jesus was taken from Caiaphas's house to the governor's palace. The Jewish authorities did not go inside the palace, for they wanted to keep themselves ritually clean in order to be able to eat the Passover meal. So Pilate went outside to them and asked, What do you accuse this man of? Their answer was, we would not have brought him to you if he had not committed a crime. Pilate said to them, then you yourselves take him and try him according to your own law. They replied, we are not allowed to put anyone to death. This happened in order to make come true what Jesus had said when he indicated the kind of death he would die. Pilate went back into the palace and called Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus answered, does this question come from you? Or have others told you about me? Pilate replied, Do you think I am a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No, my kingdom does not belong here. So Pilate asked him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And what is truth? Pilate asked. Is sentenced to death. Then Pilate went back outside to the people and said to them, I cannot find any reason to condemn him, but according to the custom you have, I always set free a prisoner for you during the Passover. Do you want me to set free for you the king of the Jews? They answered him with a shout, No, not him. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a bandit. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him whipped. The soldiers made a crown out of thorny branches and put it on his head. Then they put a purple robe on him and came to him and said, Long live the king of the Jews. And they went up and slapped him. Pilate went back out once more and said to the crowd, Look, I will bring him out here to you to let you see that I cannot find any reason to condemn him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Look, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple guards saw him, they shouted, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, You take him then and crucify him. I find no reason to condemn him. The crowd answered back, We have a law that says he ought to die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. He went back into the palace and asked Jesus, Where do you come from? But Jesus did not answer. Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me. Remember I have the authority to set you free and also to have you crucified. Jesus answered, You have authority over me only because it was given to you by God. So the man who handed me over to you is guilty of a worse sin. When Pilate heard this, he tried to find a way to set Jesus free. But the crowd shouted back, if you set him free, that means that you are not the emperor's friend. Anyone who claims to be a king is a rebel against the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he took Jesus outside and sat down on the judge's seat in the place called the Stone Pavement. In Hebrew, the name is Gabatha. It was then almost noon of the day before the Passover. Pilate said to the people, Here is your king. They shouted back, Kill him, kill him, crucify him. Pilate asked them, Do you want me to crucify your king? The chief priests answered, The only king we have is the emperor. Then Pilate handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. Jesus is crucified. So they took charge of Jesus. He went out carrying his cross and came to the place of the skull as it's called. In Hebrew, it is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and they also crucified two other men, one on each side with Jesus between them. Pilate wrote a notice and had it put on the cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews, is what he wrote. Many people read it because the place where Jesus was crucified was not far from the city. The notice was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. The chief priest said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written stays written. After the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. They also took the robe, which was made of one piece of woven cloth without any seams in it. The soldiers said to one another, Let's not tear it. Let's throw dice to see who will get it. This happened in order to make the scripture come true. They divided my clothes among themselves and gambled for my robe. And this is what the soldiers did. Standing close to Jesus' cross were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing there. So he said to his mother, He is your son. Then he said to the disciple, She is your mother. From that time the disciple took her to live in his home. The death of Jesus Jesus knew that by now everything had been completed. And in order to make this scripture come true, he said, I am thirsty. A bowl was there full of cheap wine. So a sponge was soaked in the wine, put in a stalk of hyssop and lifted up to his lips. Jesus drank the wine and said, It is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus' side is pierced. Then the Jewish authorities asked Pilate to allow them to break the legs of the men who had been crucified and to take the bodies down from the crosses. They requested this because it was Friday and they did not want the bodies to stay on the crosses on the Sabbath since the coming Sabbath was especially holy. So the soldiers went and broke the legs of the first man and then of the other man who had been crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they saw that he was already dead so they did not break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, plunged his spear into Jesus' side, and at once blood and water poured out. The one who saw this happen has spoken of it, so that you also may believe. What he said is true, and he knows that he speaks the truth. This was done to make the scripture come true. Not one of his bones will be broken. And there is another scripture that says, people will look at him whom they pierced. The burial of Jesus. After this, Joseph, who was from the town of Arimathea, asked Pilate if he could take Jesus' body. Joseph was a follower of Jesus, but in secret because he was afraid of the Jewish authorities. Pilate told him he could have the body, so Joseph went and took it away. Nicodemus, who at first had gone to see Jesus at night, went with Joseph taking with him about 100 pounds of spices, a mixture of myrrh and aloes. The two men took Jesus' body and wrapped it in linen cloths with the spices according to the Jewish custom of preparing a body for burial. There was a garden in the place where Jesus had been put to death and in it there was a new tomb where no one had ever been buried. Since it was the day before the Sabbath and because the tomb was close by, They placed Jesus' body there. Amen. (laughs) For me, it's always an eye-opener to hear a Bible reading and then try to place yourself into the scene. I wonder... Who are we in this story we hear today? In our reading there are many characters for us to choose from. Are we a soldier? Peter? Pilate? Barabbas? Mary, Jesus' mother? Joseph of Arimathea? Or Nicodemus? Or do we seek to emulate Jesus and try to put ourselves in his place? Yet, if we think a little more realistically, if we were really living during the life and the passion of Jesus, the chances are we would simply be another person in the crowd, one of the people gathered to watch the unusual events that were taking place in Jerusalem. We might find ourselves as fishermen, healers, traders, even tax collectors, ordinary people living in an ordinary world with one extraordinary person in our midst. The one everyone says is called Jesus of Nazareth. Fortunately, you didn't have to be in Jesus' inner circle of disciples or companions, like Peter, James, John, Mary or Martha, to be touched by his ministry, to wonder about who he is and to follow the events of his life. Jesus might have spent more time with certain people, preparing them for leadership, but his ministry was for the people, for the crowds who seemed to gather around him wherever he went. His parables, healings and miracles were all done amongst expectant, watchful crowds. When Jesus was baptised by John, this was done amongst the people who were also coming to be baptised. No separate, private baptismal pool for Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount containing some of Jesus' best-remembered teaching was given on a hillside, for all to hear. Wherever Jesus went, even to seek a moment of rest, the crowds followed him. Weary though he was, we read again and again throughout the four gospels that Jesus had compassion on them, reaching out to them despite his tiredness. He fed thousands at a time and healed the multitudes. Can you imagine the long lines of people forming for just a moment with the mysterious man. The man who could heal the sick, the lame, the blind, and those with many different illnesses. These crowds were there on that first Palm Sunday. Imagine the excitement of an impromptu parade, the fun of celebrating something for once, even under the pressures of Roman occupation, economic hardship, and struggles on every side. The crowds were there, waving palms, shouting hosannas, welcoming Jesus. When the following Friday came, the crowds were there again. Except they're not eagerly waiting to hear him teach. They no longer hope for healing, no longer waving palms. Instead, the crowds have become demanding, filled with hate and anger. The crowds demand that Barabbas, the criminal, John describes him as a bandit, be released to them instead of Jesus, the one who healed, fed, taught and loved them. What had happened in such a short time to turn the mood of the crowd so drastically? What had changed their minds about Jesus? Did they not want him as their king any longer? Now we're all too familiar with the betrayal of Judas, all too ready to condemn him for his treachery. Yet what about the gathered crowds? Are they also guilty of betrayal? Jesus stands before the crowd and he is the same man who stood before them on Palm Sunday as they sang Hosanna. Jesus stands before them on Friday and he's still proclaiming the same gospel that he did from the very beginning. He shares the same message, the same teachings of love. He looks on them with the same compassion even unto his death. Jesus did not change, did not waver and did not go through a transformation. However, the crowds respond to him so differently now, here as Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate. I cannot help but wonder if each and every one of us today is a member of this rowdy, angry crowd. If we can see ourselves in the crowds of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, then we must surely see ourselves in the crowds of Good Friday. We are shouting to condemn him. We are pushing to convict him. We are ready and willing to betray him. Prepared to choose a despised criminal over him. With that thought, suddenly being one of the crowd is not such a small part after all. In our lives, in our faith journeys, are we sometimes like that crowd in Jerusalem? For one day we respond to God with joy and celebration. We sing songs of praise, we worship, we commit ourselves to God. We ask God to heal us and protect us. We study God's word, we're eager to hear God's teachings. Like the crowd who follow Jesus everywhere, we say that we will follow whenever and wherever God would lead us. Yet in what seems like an instant, we find ourselves in the Good Friday crowd. We find ourselves giving up on God as quickly as the people gave up on Jesus. The crowds were upset with Jesus. He was not the kind of leader they were hoping he would be. The crowds wanted a king, ready to fight for their freedom. Here was Jesus' chance, standing before Pilate to claim his kingship. Yet Jesus gives ambiguous answers at best. He makes no attempt to fight back, or even to escape. He talks about kingship, but claims a kingship not of this world. This is not the Jesus the people wanted. Enraged, they turn on him. I can't help but think that we are in that crowd. For we have expectations of who God is and what God is supposed to do for us. Yet God moves in mysterious ways, working and loving in ways which we cannot see. When our expectations are not met on our terms, we become enraged with God. We turn on God. When we cannot fit God into the box that we have formed, into the role that we have created, we simply reject God altogether. Give us something or someone else instead, we cry. We do not want this God. Jesus stands before us, the crowd, again this Good Friday. And we have a decision to make, a question to answer. And it is this. Who will we choose? Do we want Barabbas, the criminal? Or do we want Christ, the saviour? Jesus makes no promises to act in the way that we expected. God is never limited to the usual ways of acting in our lives. God is constant love. Christ is ever compassionate. Who do you see as being the one you want in your life? Who will you choose? They are waiting for your answer. We come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, throughout your life, you were the man for others. You were always ready to listen, always prepared to respond, whatever it may cost you. At your death, it was the same. Still, you poured yourself out, thinking of others until the last. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, that we are the opposite. More often than not, our thoughts are only for ourselves rarely willing to listen, even less willing to respond, fearful of what it might cost us. Lord Jesus, forgive us and teach us your ways, for until we learn to be servant of all, we will continue to be slaves to self. On this Good Friday, as you go to the cross, help us to give freely and in a life of service to find true freedom. Amen.